Oh man, it's so good to be here tonight. Why don't you grab a seat if you can? If you don't have one, that's okay. It's okay. Just kind of hang out. But if you have a seat, you can take you can take a load off just for a few moments. We're going to be receiving communion tonight, and uh, it's not a better night, I don't think, on the calendar year to receive communion than on Good Friday. How many would agree with that? How many would agree with that? Yeah, it's so good to be here. It just feels so good. What a, I feel like we've already had. Just such an amazing night. Just such an awesome night. I want to thank the guys. They, these guys worked hard for two days. They were here last night till midnight uh, uh, doing all the lighting. And then today, got here in the morning and started setting this up just so we could have this tonight. I think we should give these guys a big round of applause. It, man, amazing. Amazing. And so I hope tonight you came in. I hope you feel loved. I hope that, that you walked in tonight and you just kind of ran into you know, the blessing. Like, like people just reached out to you and, and, and welcomed you here. I hope you feel the presence of God that's been established right here in this nighttime air. And uh, I, I'm excited for this weekend. I love Easter weekend. Easter weekend is such a special time for the church. Such a special, such a special time for God's people. And uh, I know that this, this Sunday, we're going to celebrate Easter here at Elevate, all of our campuses. I mean, I'm I, I just so excited about it. I know the kids are going to have a blast. I know the kids are going to be, actually, I think the kids are going to be on stage on Sunday and doing, some, doing, doing something. And, and I know there's so many good things, good things happening. Right? I think about Easter, and there's been, there's been a lot of them. I've been a part of a lot of Easter's. I've been a lot of, part of a lot of Easter weekends. And uh, I think back, even as a little kid, I, I grew up in a Christian home for most of my life. Uh, my parents uh, gave their hearts to the Lord when I, was, when I was really, I was probably about six, seven years old. And so for the majority of my life, I've, gr I've grown up in a Christian home. And all I can remember growing up is being a, being a part of a loving family, uh, attending church. Uh, I went to, I went to you know, a Lutheran church at one point. It was real somber, and I remember they driving down the street and crossing the railroad tracks and, and going to Praise Chapel. Way different. And, but I've been a part of different types of churches, but I've grown up in church my, my entire life. And, and um, I, although I knew about God, because I'd, I'd heard about Him, I'd, my parents bought me a, uh, my mom sent me a picture of a, of a Bible that they purchased for me when I was just a young kid. Uh, and it says, it, they were, it was given to me on the 18th floor of the Hyatt Regency in Phoenix. And I'm not sure why we went through all that detail about where the Bible was handed to me, but evidently it happened on a Hyatt Regency in Phoenix. And I know throughout my life many times as a young kid, I remember coming to the altar and giving my life to Christ and, uh, and, and kind of you know, saying a prayer, and, 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 but I didn't really get it. Like I, I knew the stories, I knew everything, but I wasn't walking in relationship with God. And, and, and even growing up in church, I remember always having a little bit of a hard time with Good Friday. Like Good Friday just didn't make a lot, a lot of sense to me. You know, what would be so good? about Good Friday because I'd seen the pictures and I'd, I'd, I'd seen Jesus, you know, he, he's beaten, he's bruised, he's, he's um, mocked and ridiculed, spit upon, a crown of thorns in his head and carrying a cross that they would eventually nail him to. And I'm thinking to myself, why, would, why in the world would anybody consider this to be good? And I struggled with it for a long time, thinking, thinking that somehow those events were good always was weird to me. It just was. It just was strange to me that knowing to me knowing that Jesus rose again on Easter Sunday. I mean, I mean that makes that makes sense. It makes sense to celebrate that. So to me, it seemed like it should be Bad Friday, Good Sunday. You know what I mean? Like that's how it, that's to me that's how it should should line up. Bad Friday, Good Sunday. But then I got saved. Then I got saved, and all of a sudden, 
I remember being 15 years old and I was, I was attending a conference that our church attended. It was at the, it was held in the Pico Rivera sports arena. So normally when they do rodeos, we had a conference and I remember God, God touching me in that service. And really, I, I mean, my life, I, I had kind of recently gotten in, gotten into trouble and I, I kind of, I kind of messed up and, you know, I, I disappointed the people that, 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 that I love the most, the people that love me the most, and I had no friends. That's what it seemed like. I was just kind of all by myself, and basically it all caught up to me, and I, I basically disappointed everyone that I loved, and, and it was very uh, just a kind of a trying time in my life. And I remember going down uh, on, the, on the Pico Rivera um, sports arena, and they had some fake grass out there, and kind of kneeling my... Kneeling, kneeling down and begin to ask the Lord to come into my life and God just wrecked me. And when I say wrecked, I mean he wrecked me in an awesome way because I got up from that floor that day and literally my life has never been the same and I discovered why, good, why this Friday is considered Good Friday. You know, Ted alluded to a scripture in Isaiah 53 and if you're not familiar with the Bible, Isaiah is, is pre-Jesus. It's before Jesus was born, before Jesus walked the face of the earth. We're talking generations before Jesus ever existed. And, and in Isaiah, what's written is prophesying about him. And I want to read that, that text again. Isaiah 53, 1, it says, Who, Who's believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He, or Jesus, grew up before him like a tender shoot. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. He was a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain, he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. What a, what a, what a powerful prophetic portion of scripture. What an incredible, written generations before Jesus would ever walk on this planet and so what I want to do is fast forward from that text to Jesus hanging on the cross. I mean, you can imagine that, that Friday darkness between, between 12 noon and 3 in the afternoon. It was dark like what we're experiencing now. It, it, was, it, was, it was dark. Everything went dark. Light was eclipsed by darkness. Why was that? Well, the Bible tells us that between those hours, God was placing the sins of all humanity Every sin that had ever been done, past, present, future, was all being placed upon Christ on the cross. And so when Jesus was on the cross, he was doing something. He was absorbing. It's the word that just kind of came to me this week and I was thinking about this particular message is that Jesus was absorbing. Jesus was the absorber. I want you to kind of get that picture in your head tonight. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says that God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin. So we know that Jesus was perfect before God. He, he never had done anything wrong. But he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him 
we might become the righteousness of God. And so what God was not was what God was not trying to accomplish was to give us the righteousness of a rabbi. God wasn't trying to, to pass along the righteousness of a priest or the righteousness of a good guy or a good man or a king, but God was trying to pass on to us the righteousness of God, a pure and perfect holy God. And as Jesus was on the cross, he made an exchange. Pastor Carl talked a little bit about this on Wednesday night, that an exchange was made. He exchanged the worst of who you are for the best of him. The worst of who we are was exchanged for his righteousness, John 3, 14. Jesus is talking and he, he's foreshadowing. It's, it's, it's during his lifetime. He's foreshadowing this very event. In John 3, 14, he says, just as Moses lifted up a serpent on a pole in the wilderness, even so, the Son of Man should be lifted up. So a lot of times we can read that and you're like, what the heck is he talking about? A pole with a, with a snake on it. But what Jesus was referring to was a story that many of them would have been familiar with. It was a story about God's people and, and they, were, they were being bitten by these poisonous snakes and there was a venom that was, that was in their body. It was killing them. It was killing all of them. And, and, and so, so God told Moses, I want you to take a bronze snake and attach it to a pole and lift up the pole and whenever anyone looks upon the pole, they'll be healed from that, that venom. They'd be, they, that they would, it would transform their condition. And so they would look at that, look at that pole and, and, and they would go from dying and they would go to living. What a foreshadowing Jesus was making of the cross. So Jesus went to the cross to absorb some things. So whenever there's a mess, I think most of us would be familiar with what absorb means. Whenever there's a, a mess, we need something. A spill happens. We need something to absorb it. All of us have had those moments, all right, those unfortunate moments in a restaurant or in our, in our homes when, when we knock the drink over, all right? All of us have made a mess at some point in our lives, and so what do we do? We, we do everything we can to try to absorb what's being spilt, right? We'll grab napkins. Um, if, if your shirt's already wet, you're, you're, you're like finishing it off. I mean, you're, you're gonna grab paper towels, towels, whatever you, can, whatever you can grab to try to absorb that mess. The reason Jesus came is because mankind made a mess. That's really what happened. So how did they make a mess? Well, Adam and Eve, they, they were created in a perfect garden by a perfect God, and they sinned, and it, it created a mess. And that mess went all the way through creation. Like it just, it just, it just be, continued to just kind of go, and, and it's, it's made its way all the way to us. That's what happened. Sin because of Adam and Eve, entered mankind. And so God looks at the mess, and rather than rub our face in it, instead, he came into the mess to be our absorber. And so there's several things that Jesus absorbed on Good Friday. Number one, he absorbed our judgment. How I many know we deserve judgment? We deserve wrath. John 3, 36 says, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Is anybody grateful about that? Does anybody believe in the Son tonight? Okay, a few of you. Anybody believe in the Son tonight? The, the promise is you have everlasting life. But he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You see, when Jesus came, he came to absorb our judgment because heaven is a perfect place. 
When we talk about heaven, heaven is, is, has God in it, and, and it's a perfect place. It houses the very throne of God. And so if imperfection would enter perfection, it would contaminate it. So that's the problem God has because he loves us so much. But our imperfection makes it impossible for us to associate with him or to spend eternity with him. So how do we get to heaven? Here's the problem. If it were up to us, it would be absolutely impossible. There would be, there'd be no way for us because, because, because we, our, our, our imperfection, there's no way we could fix that. And so, and so Jesus comes, he, had, he dies on the cross to absorb the judgment against us. He took, the Bible calls it the handwriting. The handwriting would be like the evidence all of the law, the things that we, we messed up, all of our disqualification, all of, all of our sins, Jesus absorbed that upon himself. You know, it's interesting when you read the, the, the story of the crucifixion, when they announced to Pontius Pilate that Jesus was dead, Pilate was actually surprised because, because it happened so quickly. There was Jesus, he's hanging on, on a cross between two criminals, and he passed away before either one of them. And I think it's because it wasn't the crucifixion that killed Jesus, that wasn't just all of that he went through that killed Christ, but it was actually the judgment of God that you and I deserve. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And so when Satan tricked Adam and Eve, when Satan came to Adam and Eve and tricked them to eat of that tree, and when they, they ate of it, it, it was the only thing that God said they couldn't take from. God says, of of every tree in this garden you can eat but of this tree the tree of knowledge of good and evil you you cannot eat when you eat of that tree you will surely die and somehow satan was able to trick adam and eve and they began to look at that tree and they think it doesn't look deadly it doesn't it doesn't look all that bad matter of fact it kind of looks like if we ate of that tree, uh, it would make us smart. It would, it, it would, it would somehow make us wise. And they, they, they actually thought they were smarter than God. That's what sin is. And they ate of that tree. And, and when they did, immediately, just like those poisonous snakes put a venom into those people, immediately the, the poison of sin entered mankind. And because of that sin, all of us have, have a death sentence in our bodies. It's, 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 it's a sin death sentence. It's a venom. It's a poison that's in our blood. We were born into sin. We were born outside of God. But Jesus came to absorb that sin. And as Jesus was on the cross, an exchange was being made. God was extracting our sinful condition. He was removing our sinful condition condition. He was extracting that poison, if you will. He was extracting that wickedness, and he was placing it on his son. He was placing it on Christ. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But here's the thing. God's so genius. He says the day you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And so we know that that, that sin entered mankind at that time, but God is so genius is he creates time. He creates time. The Bible says, says that, that in the fullness of time, Christ came. So, so picture, I want, I want you, if you can, picture a gun with a bullet in it. And the moment mankind sinned, it was like a shot 
was taken at mankind. It was, it, was, it was shot in the direction of mankind. And I want you to picture that bullet flying in slow motion. And Adam is the deserving recipient of that bullet. And here's the truth, we're all Adam's descendants. But if Adam would have died, we wouldn't be here. None of us would be here. And so God creates this thing called time. And time's allowed the generations to come from Adam. You have Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Judah and Moses. And through Moses, the law would come. And then you have all the prophets that, that begin to show up. And then you get to King David. Meanwhile, sin is, in, is still a part of mankind. And, and death is a part of mankind. And, and, and here's, here's all the way to Christ. And just as that bullet was about to penetrate at the exact moment, at the perfect time, the Bible says, Jesus comes in and absorbs that shot. He absorbs that bullet. He takes the shot and receives our judgment, the judgment we deserve for our sin. And that's what I experienced when I invited Jesus into my life, because I didn't join a religion. I, I didn't join a, a, a particular church. I, I knew I was a sinner. I knew that I, I, I had in my life shame. I knew I, was, I, I experienced guilt. But when I repented and I opened my heart up to Jesus, something came in like a sponge. Like a sponge, it absorbed the sin. It absorbed the shame. It absorbed the guilt. It removed it from me. In a moment of time, I was delivered. I was free. I was awake. I was alive. It was the most amazing experience in my entire life. You see, when Jesus came, he came to absorb a mess. He came to absorb, first of all, your, your, your judgment for sin. The second thing he absorbs is our shame. When you read about the, the, the cross, the Bible says that they stripped him and they beat him. They stripped him naked and they hung him up on a cross. He would have been, he would have been publicly hung on the side of the road, right there in the public square, in the place of heaviest traffic. I mean, because we know the Romans, they used crucifixion. It was, it was a public spectacle, and it was meant to provide an example so that everyone knew as they were walking into town, I better not, I better not do anything wrong because the Romans don't tolerate it. If you think you're going to come in here and break, break our rules and, and, and break into someone's house and steal, you better be ready because you're going to get caught and crucified like these criminals that you're seeing as you walk past. So there's Jesus. He's hanging naked in rush hour traffic between two thieves so that everyone that was passing by could see him. And as they walked by him, they mocked him, they, they ridiculed him, they, they spat upon him, they, they cursed him. What an incredibly shameful way to die. You see, Jesus was hung in a shameful way in order to absorb our shame. He came to absorb our shame. There's so many people in our world living with shame. There's many of you in this room today, you're, you're living with shame. You've been abused or you've been an abuser and you're tormented and living with shame because of what you've done in the past. Maybe you, you were violated or you violated someone and you're living with shame. Shame is a wicked, 
evil tool of the enemy. Shame will drive you insane. It will rob you of your peace. So many people today are on heavy medications, filling up mental institutions because of shame. But Jesus hung on the cross in a shameful way. He died in an an, an extremely shameful way to absorb your shame and my shame. You know what else Jesus absorbed on the cross? He absorbed our sickness. The Bible says Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, and by his stripes we are healed. All sickness, all disease, every cancer, every tumor, every heart disease, every lung disease, every arthritis, Jesus came and hung on the cross. He bore stripes on his back for our disease and for our sickness. Do you believe that tonight? I want to tell you something. Disease is not God's will. It's not, it's not God's God never intended for man to live in dis-ease. He, he never intended for man to live in dis-ease. Matter of fact, he created mankind and placed him in a garden of perfection. Everything that Adam needed, everything that Adam wanted was right there at his fingertips. It was a place of ease. It was a place of ease. You were meant to live in that. You were, me- you were meant to live in harmony, in peace. But when sin came, dis-ease came. Sickness came. With dis-ease comes cancers and tumors and asthma and arthritis. But Jesus on the cross absorbs all of that so that you can be healed. How many believe that today? He's the absorber. He's the absorber. He absorbed your judgment on the cross. He absorbed your shame on the cross. He absorbed your sickness on the cross. And here's the thing. He absorbed sin and, and, and judgment and gave you, he released righteousness and right standing with God. You see, he didn't just absorb, he gave back. He, he absorbed shame and released to you honor. He released to you grace. He absorbed sickness and disease and released healingness and wholeness and ease. That's what Good Friday is all about. Aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful for Good Friday? Aren't you grateful for Good Friday? Maybe we could just stand all over this room, all over this outdoor amphitheater tonight. We're gonna, we're gonna receive communion. And I just wanna invite you, I'm gonna read a portion of scripture And I would just like to invite you, it's going to take a little bit of time for everybody to get the elements of communion, but I want to just invite you, even now, just begin to kind of go towards the table. We have have, um, the the, the bread and and the wine right there for you. It's non-alcoholic wine, by the way, just so you know. We call it grape juice uh, around here. Maybe you could just kind of grab those elements and just kind of move out of the way and let someone else, or maybe help someone else grab their communion supper tonight. He's the absorber. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you grateful for, for the cross? Aren't you grateful for the cross? Thank you, Jesus.
tonight, what, what communion is, is remembering what Jesus has done. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing on Good Friday. It's remembering what Christ did for us. Maybe we could all just, maybe we could all just stand and do this together if we could. We're going to go right into worship after we, after we do this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says in, in chapter 11, it says, on, then, then the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So when we think about the bread, there's nothing special about this bread. It's actually an oyster cracker. When we think about the, the bread, what it represents is the body of Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for the body of Christ. I'm grateful that his body was tormented and, and filled with pain and filled with excruciating pain. The stripes that were placed upon his back was for my healing. Today, my wife is, is, is free from cancer because of the body of Christ. We believe in a healing God. How many of us have experienced healing in our bodies? And it's because of the body that was broken for us on Good Friday. And so if you can, right there in your hand, you can, I'd like you to break that body and take and eat. Remember the body of Christ. God, thank you. You didn't have to do it. You didn't have to endure that. But you did. You did out of love for us. Lord, we were on your mind. Thank you, God. Thank you for enduring that. The pain and the shame, the punishment that we deserve. Lord, you took it in your body for us. We thank you for that. In the same, in the same way, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. You know, I think I'm so grateful for the blood of Jesus. Without, without blood, there's no remission of sins. There's no forgiveness without blood. Something had to die. Life is found in the blood. Jesus gave his life for you. There's a blood transfusion that took place that day. Jesus gave us his, gave us his life. And the reason we don't, we, when we accept Christ, we, be, we, we get his righteousness is because Jesus' blood had no sin, had no contamination, had no poison associated with it. And so when the blood of Jesus comes into our lives, righteousness does. I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful because I've made a lot of mistakes. How many of you made a lot of mistakes? How many, how many of you really made a lot of mistakes? Let's be honest. Like, like two hands up. I'm grateful that, that God forgives me. And, I, and here's the thing. I'm not done sinning. I'm, I know that, that, that I make mistakes all the time. And, and his blood continues to forgive me. It continues to cover my sin. Lord, we thank you for the blood that was shed for us. Lord, we, we thank you for the blood. Take and drink. Remember. He says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's Good Friday, man. That's what that is. That's what we're doing today. We're proclaiming the death of Jesus, and we're so grateful for it. So God, we, we, we stop 
and we think and we remember and we contemplate where we would be if it wasn't for you and the sacrifice you made for us. Lord, if it wasn't for you absorbing our mess, where would we be? God, I thank you today that I stand before you clean. I thank you today that I stand before you pure and righteous. Lord, not because of something I've done, only because of what you've done. Lord, I thank you today for the death, Lord, that you you took upon yourself. Lord, the, the punishment you took, the judgment you took to absorb my judgment. Lord, to absorb my sickness, to absorb my shame. Lord, I thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Can we worship a little bit?